Hey, it's great to have our orchestra back, isn't it? I'm excited. I know that some of you have uh, been, just started attending the church during the pandemic and and really uh, haven't seen many of our people or a lot of the things that we do because everything's just been closed for, for safety. And so I'm excited as we get our vaccines and hopefully that that slows things down as far as spread as virus. We can open things back up and do some of the things that we used to do. And great to have the orchestra this morning playing. And, and they were in the first service as well. And really appreciate Dwayne and all the hard work that he does to, to make that possible. Well, today we're going to be continuing to look at the Gospel of John in John 14. And Jesus is having his farewell talk, farewell discourse with his disciples. And one of the things you've noticed, if you've been with us the past few weeks, the disciples keep asking all these questions because uh, they don't fully understand. And not only do they not fully understand what's happening, they don't fully believe either. They, they, they certainly believe to follow Jesus. I mean, they're ready to follow him to Jerusalem if the plan is to take over and kick out the Romans and everything that they've expected. I mean, they, they, as long as he's doing what they expect him to do, I mean, they're, they're ready to follow him, but they're just, they're just not yet fully understanding what it is that Jesus is going to do. Well, have you ever thought about this for a moment? So when we read the Gospels, uh, we're reading the writings of these people that didn't fully get it and, and didn't fully believe. Have you ever thought about that? So we ask ourselves, how, how, how can we trust what they said? And, and Jesus answers that in the passage we're looking at today as he explains the role of the Holy Spirit in their understanding and their memory, which led to the writing of the New Testament. So I hope today that you'll really be encouraged by what Jesus has taught us here in this passage because he has given us every reason to live with peace and with faith. Every reason. John chapter 14 is where we'll be at today, beginning in verse 25. I want to ask you, would you just join me in standing together as we read this? John chapter 14, beginning in verse 20, 25. Jesus is speaking with his disciples, and he said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when the, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand what Jesus was teaching his disciples. And I pray that just as he sought to lead them to peace and to faith, that we too would embrace this. Help us to understand how we're to live right now in this place so that the world might know that we're your disciples. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
Well, Jesus has given us certainty about the New Testament teachings. When we think about the Christian life, it's a life of ongoing discovery. So Jesus is going to specify as he talks to his disciples about the things that he's going to teach them now and things that the Holy Spirit is going to teach them later. So in verse 25, he says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. So Jesus is going to explain some things now, and then he's going to tell them that later the Holy Spirit is going to teach them more things. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 that God has spoken to us many different ways throughout history. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. And listen to this. And the exact imprint of his nature. You and I are made in the image of God, but because of sin, it's marred. And, and we're in the process of now being transformed back into his image, meaning that we, we think like him, we believe like him, we live like him. But Jesus, the Bible says, is the exact imprint of his nature. So we want to know what the Father is like, we look at the Son. God has revealed to us, the Bible says it many times and in many different ways. In the Old Testament, he spoke through the prophets, but now he's spoken through his Son. And then later, through the Holy Spirit, he will give us the New Testament in addition to the Old Testament. And the Bible says that when we understand this, then we're to long to read this and study it and to hear from God. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, listen to what it says. It says, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, I don't know how many of you all here have children, but when you have children, I remember we had our first. Uh, you know what happened? My wife didn't get any sleep. She had to get up every two hours. And, uh, you know, and the next morning I told her that I really appreciate what she did. And, and at some point I'd get up and help her. But every two hours she had to get up and feed the babies. So, you know, uh, uh, I did help every once in a while, but I'm not going to take any credit because she'll call me out after the service today. But what happens when you have a newborn? They, they cry. They cry every two hours, all night long, because they tasted some milk and they like it. And every time they get hungry, they start crying for more. And the Bible says that that should be the way we respond to God's Word. It says, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. So when I recognize that God has spoken to me, and He's spoken to me through his word inspired by the Holy Spirit, then it creates a desire in me to hear from him. And the purpose, it says, is to grow up. God is not finished with me. I, I'm on a journey of understanding and I'm on a journey of changing. Now, now here's the thing that's so important to understand. So sometimes people think that because God has progressively revealed himself throughout history, you know, first to the Old Testament prophets, then more to the later prophets, then Jesus, now the entire New Testament, that, that perhaps something in the new trumps the old, but that is not the case at all. 
It's like when you unveil a statue. The moment that veil begins lifted, you see the feet of the statue, and then you see the knees and the legs and the rest. But when you see the, the head, the, the veil is finally lifted, and you see the head, the feet are still the same. It didn't change it in any way. You just see the whole picture. And that's the way it is, is God begins to reveal himself to us. It doesn't change anything that he previously revealed. We just see more. And so in the past, God revealed himself through the Old Testament prophets and in many different ways and many different times. And then through Jesus Christ, he revealed himself, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the exact imprint of the nature of God. And then through the Holy Spirit, he will give us the New Testament. So Jesus is teaching his disciples progressively. There's, he says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. And then in verse 26, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. I want you to notice this. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, second person mentioned in this passage, through my name, there's Jesus mentioned. So Father, Son, and Spirit, all working together in a unified effort to communicate with us. Some people think that there's some kind of tension between the Old and the New Testament. Some people have even suggested that there was the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The Bible knows no such thing. From beginning to end, it's Father, Son, and Spirit working together in unity to to reveal themselves to us. And so it says the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you. And then one chapter over, John chapter 15 and verse 26, listen to what he says about the three working together. But when the helper comes, that, that's the Holy Spirit. When the helper comes, whom I will send, Jesus said he's gonna send him to you from the Father, the Holy Spirit comes from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's, that's Jesus. Do you see that Father, Son, and Spirit are all working together? So if any time in your life you ever thought that there was tension between the Father, the Son, the Spirit, or you tried to seek one without the others, there is no teaching one God in three persons. And they're all working together to reveal themselves to us. And so the reason that we can rely on the Bible is because it's inspired by the Spirit. So listen to Jesus explain this in verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, here's what he says, he will teach you all things. Now remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Does it mean that, that he's going to teach us all things? He's speaking to his disciples. He says, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So Jesus said that he was going to give them the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was going to teach them and the Holy Spirit was going to bring to their memory what they had heard Jesus teach. Now we go over a, a chapter to chapter 15, we just read from verse 26, which speaks about the, the spirit. He will bear witness about me. Look at the next verse. It says, 
And you, speaking of his disciples, and you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. The disciples bearing witness to what they've seen and heard based upon their understanding they now receive from the Holy Spirit, based upon their memory that the Holy Spirit has given them. He brings to remembrance the things that have happened. And so when we ask why can we trust the Bible, it's because it's inspired by the Spirit of God. And so we are not limited to the understanding, perspective, or ability of the disciples or any other writer of Scripture because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. It says all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching. Here's what that means. You'll never be reading the Bible and come to Isaiah and say, well, that's in the Old Testament. And Isaiah didn't know what the disciples knew. So, so we don't have to really rely on that. It's not the case. The prophet Isaiah was inspired by the Holy Spirit. When we come to the Gospel of Matthew, we don't have to read Matthew and say, well, we know even in the last week of Jesus, they didn't fully understand. They kept asking all these ridiculous questions and they didn't believe and Jesus questioned their belief. We don't, we don't have to ask that because Matthew was inspired by the Spirit as he wrote. The Spirit taught him all things. The Spirit brought to memory all things. So when we read the New Testament or the Old Testament, we're hearing from God. Now, all my Christian life, I've heard people say, I just, I'd like to hear a word from God. All you got to do is open the Bible and read. He has spoken to us. So many people are seeking an experience. I'm telling you, if the glory of God were to fill this room with a visible presence, and God spoke with an audible voice like thunder, we'd have no more of a word from God than we have right now in Scripture. God has spoken to us. We can believe what the Bible records about Jesus and his teachings because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a mere work of man. And this is a related but separate issue, but that's also why the Bible has authority over our lives. It's also why the Bible never becomes outdated or irrelevant. In fact, I challenge you, we got some really smart people in this room. And I look around and see some really well-read, educated people. Uh, you, you, would, you, would, you would be encouraged to go read some ancient literature that's the same age as some of the books of the Old Testament. And you would be absolutely shocked at how bound by time those writings are how irrelevant and ignorant they are in light of today and how relevant and timely the Bible still is because the Bible is not like any other book. You see, if the Bible was just a human book, we'd read the words of Paul and we'd say, well, that's just Paul. He meant well, but he was just a product of his time. But the Bible's not a human book. The Bible is inspired by the Spirit of God. Jesus gave them a helper to help them write, to bring to their mind 
the things that he'd said so they would remember and to teach them so they would understand it. So when we read, it may have been written in a specific time. So yeah, we, we go back, when we read the parable of the lost sheep, we go back to the first century and we ask, how did they tend sheep in the first century? So that we know what Jesus was talking about. But it's not bound by the understanding of then. This is why the Bible is still relevant today. Would you th think about this for a moment? Even if you just wandered in here today and, and you'd never been to church in your life and you didn't believe any of this, look back through human history. No book has been printed, sold, distributed, or read like the Bible. Look at the impact the Bible has had throughout every generation. We've seen empires come and go. We've seen systems of thought come and go. And yet the Bible still today is giving people comfort, hope, peace, and transforming people's lives. It's transforming people. And so when we think about the Bible, we can have confidence when we read the Scripture because Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to inspire it. He's also given us true peace. So verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, the peace that Jesus gives us is not an empty promise. That's why he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was one of the Old Testament prophets. And uh, one of the things that we see in the days of Jeremiah, same thing we see today, is there were preachers who were telling people what they wanted to hear. And so Jeremiah calls them out in chapter 6, verses 13 through 14. Here's what he says. From the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From the prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly. It means they didn't really heal it. They just healed it lightly, covered up the symptoms. Here's how they did it. Saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They, they were crying, peace, peace, when there, there was no peace. Well, we see this today. We see people uh, preaching that we can be blessed and have eternal life, and yet they never mention that you and I are sinners who need to repent. They never mention that we must transform ourselves into his image. They preach only half of the message. And friend, a half-truth is a whole lie. When Jesus came to give us peace, he gave us a real peace, not a false hope or an empty promise. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have any problems. But the kind of peace that Jesus gives, it's, it's like when you go down and you sit with your surgeon. And the surgeon says, I can promise you that you have a 100% chance of full recovery. Well, if you knew you could trust the surgeon, that'd give you peace about your condition, wouldn't it? Now, you still got to go through the surgery. The recovery is still going to be painful. But when you get through it, 
your problem's going to be over. So it is with Jesus. He gives us a peace, not by telling us that we're never going to have any difficulty in life. He gives us a peace by providing a solution to our greatest problems and to our eternal problems. In fact, the Bible says in Romans that he gives us peace with God. The Bible says in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. I don't know what's going to happen to me in this earthly life. You hear preachers tell you, oh, if you'll just come to church and give some money, then you're going to be healthy and wealthy. And that, that's a bunch of nonsense. Now, my, my house might burn tonight. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Somebody might sue me, take away everything I've ever saved in my life. I don't know anything about my money. I may go find out tomorrow that I'm walking around, eat up with cancer. I have no idea. I don't know anything about my earthly status or, or my money or my health. I don't have any guarantees about that. I, I don't know what, what the next few years holds for me. But I know this, when I step out into eternity, I'm not going to give an account for my sin because Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. And I'm at peace with God. I... There'll be the, the, the Bema, what the Bible calls the Bema seat judgment for me, where I'll have to give an account for whether I've been a good steward or not. And there'll be rewards and there'll be loss of rewards, but I won't be held to account for my sin because Jesus paid it for me. And I don't have to fear God when I die because he's given me peace with God. Peace. Peace. And Jesus said, this is the peace that he gives us, not as the world gives I've heard so many politicians in my lifetime promise peace. And they don't have the ability to give it. They don't even understand what it, what it really looks like. The kind of peace that they offer, the idea of not being in the middle of war or conflict is so insignificant compared to the peace that Jesus offers us. So he gives us, he gives us peace and he gives us every reason to believe. Listen to what he says in verse 29. He says, and now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. You and I, we can guess about the future, but only God can reveal it with precision and certainty. Jesus said that he told us what was going to happen in advance so that when he did, that we might believe. You ever read a horoscope? When I was down in Atlanta, they published those things in the paper. And a few times I read, it, read the horoscope just to see what, see what they look like. I, I, see, I don't know if y'all have ever read one before. Uh, here's how it goes. It says, today you will meet an interesting person. Well, unless you're in quarantine, you're probably going to run into somebody. And if you read that horoscope and go around looking for an interesting person, you'll probably find somebody that you might think is interesting. There's nothing specific about it, and it's, in some sense, a self-fulfilling prediction. That's not the kind of vague nonsense that the Bible gives us. When Jesus tells us things ahead of time, he tells us with detail, detail. You know that the Bible names in the Old Testament, Bethlehem. It's the place of Jesus. He says he'll be called a Nazarene. He says out of Egypt, I called my son. Remember, Jesus went down to Egypt and came back. The Bible describes crucifixion in great detail in the Old Testament. 
In one place, the Bible says, not a bone of his shall be broken. As Psalm 22, King David prophesied that, not a bone of his would be broken. You read Isaiah 53, it reads like a gospel account of the crucifixion. And yet all those things happened and they were revealed in advance. Only God can do this. And so Jesus told his disciples what was going to take place so that when it happened, they could believe. John chapter 2, this is early in Jesus' ministry. It gives us a little glimpse into this. Here's what it says. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered. You see what it says? His disciples remembered. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will teach you and bring to remembrance all things that I've taught you. His disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus said, and now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. He revealed in advance what was going to happen so that when it did, they would understand and they would believe. He's given us every reason to believe. He, he's a man that's able to predict the future because he's not just a man, but he's fully God. The Bible also tells us that he's greater than the ruler of this world. He says in verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world, that's, that's Satan, is coming. He has no claim on me. Jesus, when he went to the cross, Jesus was no victim. Jesus laid down his life. When Jesus was before Pilate, here's what Pilate said. Pilate said to him, this is John 19, 10. You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Jesus was not under the authority of Pilate by force. He was under the authority of Pilate by choice. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane and they came to arrest Jesus. Peter drew his sword and he struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus told Peter to put his sword away and here's what he says. He says, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Well, well why didn't he then? Because verse 54 says, but how then? should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so. Jesus told them what was going to happen. He told them why it must happen. And he told them in advance so that they would believe. Jesus, they're going to the cross. He demonstrated his love for the Father. So the Bible says in verse 31, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see what he says? He says, I do as the Father commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Jesus in obedience 
doing the will of the Father, demonstrated his love for the Father. You see, what Jesus teaches us here, talk is easy, but actions are true. What we believe in who we are is best revealed not by what we say, but by what we do. So that, that really leaves us with one question, I think, today. What are you going to do? If, if you believe that the Bible is inspired by God, that it's a word to you, given by Father, Son, and Spirit working together, if you believe that, will you read it? Will you obey it? Will you believe it? What are you going to do when you read something in there that you don't like? What are you going to do when you read something that contradicts the system of the world in which we live? What are you going to do when God calls you to give up something you don't want to give up? What we do reveals who we are and what we believe. Jesus has given us every reason to believe. And he's given us peace. It's a gift if we'll just receive it. So what will you do? Will you receive it?